ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I sit down with Andy Mokel of Legion DIY Podcast. We get into California hunting conservation and strengthening the hunting community enjoy the episode so we're on with andy mokel also known as game over ig the host of legion diy andy what's up brother my man how are you doing today i am doing okay man i am uh sitting in my man cave studio garage sweating my ass off right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got a pretty nice little studio in there too i've seen pictures of it yeah i just got a little corner set up man i'm I'm trying to redo it you know it's just finding the make time it yeah make it more comfortable and finding the time and then hunting seasons on me so it's probably going to take a back seat man yeah, for like eight months yeah something like that <laughs> at least through january man get through that arizona that arizona late season archery and uh yeah i think we'll be able to actually do something uh something for it then right so how's it been man it's been good dude it's been good it's been an interesting last month and a week yeah i know you know it's been a, <laughs> yeah right for sure and it's been an interesting build-up for this hunting season it's it's getting crazy i leave tomorrow morning and i know we'll get into that in a little bit but you know tomorrow morning wheels up three weeks come back then dive back into archery and then come back and then dive into rifle. And you know, you know how the, you know, the grind. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Where are you headed tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow I'm headed down with, uh, Kika worldwide Kika outfitters and, uh, going on a Thule elk hunt in Owens Valley. Oh, nice, man. That should be a, that should be a blast. There's been, I've seen some pictures this year and, uh, yeesh, the bulls are looking good, man. Yeah. The bulls are looking great this year. I'm super privileged to get to go with a really awesome crew of dudes. Yeah, that's going to be badass. I actually hunted with Andrew. Well, not hunted with him. 
um, last year on Catalina. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. How was that hunt? Oh, my God, bro. That is, I, I got to say, it's outside of my elk hunt last year. That was, in all the years of hunting, probably my most memorable hunt that I've ever been on. It is just amazing to be out on that island. You're sitting on a mountaintop. You're surrounded by water. Catalina's beautiful anyway, and just to see the diversity right. on the inner island from the so coast. The ecosystems. Oh man, it is just amazing, dude. And the the quality of deer on that island and the numbers are staggering when you first get there. Like you can't believe that you're still in California. It's nuts. Really? Oh, dude. It is it is so worth it. It's it was a great time, man. And Ben and Andy and Tom, they just they just take care of you like like you wouldn't believe man great experience that's rad that's rad i've been i've been down to catalina for fun times you know beach parties and the the spectrum that they offer there right there on the on the town but that's it yeah hunting there is and, and that was my experience right we used to go over there to dive and fish and free dive and uh going there what's the hunt? diving like there Catalina has nice diving. I mean, you have your protected, you know, your your little protected areas like Casino Point. Um, it's just beautiful when you, I think our waters when you're diving, just California in general, right, with our kelp, um, it's like nothing else. Um, yeah. It's just phenomenal. And then you get to the backside of the island, Farnsworth Banks, and it's weird how it makes a transition from, you know, kelp beds to, you know, purple coral and, it's just it's just an amazing, beautiful uh, experience, man. All around that island is just phenomenal. The fishing is stupid most <laughs> of the time. It's been really good for us the last couple of years, you know, with the warm water. And, I mean, it's just been going off left and right. Yeah. But yeah, as far as hunts go, man, it is, uh, if you ever get the chance. I would love to archery hunt it. There's not many folks that are archery hunting it. I think archery hunting there would be... Uh, yeah, it'd be mind blowing. Yeah, I've been talking to uh, Andrew's dad, Mike, about going out there on an archery hunt and uh, having some fun out there. So uh, that place is sick. Hoping yeah. to hoping to somehow do that again, man. I was gifted that hunt, so it was uh, as far as I'm concerned a once in a lifetime. Right. <laughs> but bitching, man, it is. Yeah, it's great, man. Nice. But enough about my hunt, man. How did, uh, let's talk a little bit about your hunting and outdoor life for the folks that, that don't know, um, uh -huh. you know, where you got started and you know, all those, all those pertinence to it, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in an outdoors family as fifth generation West Marin County here in California. Uh, most people don't know where Marin is. Um, Marin is the North side of the Golden Gate Bridge up to the Sonoma County line. Um, it's definitely not the small community that it used to be. Um, so my whole life growing up, you know, I was always taught that we can't really talk about our hunting trips. We can't really talk about what we're doing and shooting guns. And I mean, back then there, you weren't bringing pictures to school on cell phones. So it was a lot less, uh, it wasn't as easy to show people what you did with your family over the weekend. Right. Well, that's, I mean, and unfortunately, right, that's kind of the climate here in California. Um, yeah. You know, we, we are a small community at best. Um, 
and it's just it's just the climate i mean it, it really does suck and we get a as a hunting community i feel like we get a bad shake because we have some great opportunity in the state and i and, and oh yeah me myself i kind of give it shit but it has more to do with the politics than our opportunity um that's here but we have some phenomenal opportunities here man yeah, we do. And and one of the best parts is, is that if anybody ever wants to complete an elk slam, guess what? You're coming to California because you need that Thule elk and we're the only state that has it. That's it, man. The only, place. you know, so, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, so I grew up, you know, camping, fishing on the weekends, hunting, running around with cap guns in the forests. You know, uh, a lot of it was all uh, Northern California, Sierras and stuff like that. Um. You know, my parents were great. They always tried to give me every opportunity that I could, whether it had been, you know, sports or, you know, BMX bikes or, you know, mountain biking or, or whatever it may have been. Um, I was super blessed and fortunate enough to have a, uh, a pretty good family. My parents, you know, they've been married for, my God, I think it's going on 40 years coming up here in a year or two, you know. and um, But, yeah, my my grandfather was a fishing game warden for the state of California. Um, and he was the warden for Marin County. So hunting and fishing and outdoor activities just kind of, you know, ran in my bloodline. My, my dad's dad used to hunt the Sierras all the way back. I want to say all the way back to the twenties and thirties. Um, and I even want to say, I'll take it as far as that, my mom's dad, because San Francisco and Marin County were so small back then, my mom's dad and my dad's dad, way before they were ever married to my grandmothers, um, they used to go hunting in the Sierras together. So I'm super fortunate. I've been hunting pretty much the same spot that my family's been hunting for, I guess, almost 100 years now. That's crazy, dude. You, people always talk about you know, tradition and that family tradition. I don't know that there's a lot of people that could say that they have that type of lineage uh, <laughs> in their family. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I'll go on a tangent here. I mean, my family in American history goes back um, all the way back to the 1500s on my mom's side. So my mom's dad's side of the family, the Giddings, um, they came over in the, in the 1500s, you know, and, and were Puritans and, you know, then obviously going forward in American history and everything that happened, you know, they were involved in Salem witch trials and, you know, they were good friends with Abraham Lincoln and, you know, so my family history goes back in, in this country a long time and in the Bay Area, you know, back to the turn of the century, 19, you know, into the 1900s. So, sorry, bro. How the hell do you know they were friends with Abraham Lincoln? I mean, so, <laughs> so that's a, that's a good question. So there's actually a couple stories and cut me off if I'm going too far into my family's history. No, I asked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Joshua L. Giddings, um, was a congressman or, you know, he was one of the founding members of the GOP. Him and Abraham Lincoln were best friends. And he had actually had several assassination attempts on his life um, inside the house, you know, while he was standing at the podium from 
probably at the time what were Democrats, because he was considered so far right wing and so far against slavery that they wanted him dead. Um, And they were trying to figure out who they were going to run for president. Um, You know, and they were original idea was to run Joshua L. Giddings. And because he was so far, they they called him a barn burner against slavery because he was so far in that direction. They thought he was too much of a radicalist and that the GOP wouldn't win. So they ended up running Abraham Lincoln instead, who had been his best friend. And, you know, so it be told Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, when you start in, yeah, here's here's the tangent, right? I mean, you know, people start looking back at that history. I, and I've always wondered, like, if I started looking how far back you can trace some of that stuff. Right. I mean, that's that's insane. I mean, if that yeah. history isn't kept in your family, you know, how do you how do you go find that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My and on my dad's side, you know, they were all rough riders, you know, back in the 1800s, you know, and and uh, when all that was going on, you know, so if my family's been around for a while. <laughs> that has to give you a sense of. I guess a sense of pride, right? To know that, you know, they, they forged their way in that history and, you know, pioneers, if you will. Oh, absolutely. I take a lot of pride. I take a lot of pride in that. Um, having that much history inside of America. Uh, I also, so my birthday is April 19th and 99% of everybody out there doesn't understand or know that April 19th was basically the, it was the battle of Lexington and part of the birth of America. And, uh, you know, that was like the, the kickoff of the, one of the jumping off points. And, uh, you know, so for me, it's like, that's a whole nother, you know, badge of honor that I always, you know, get to keep to my, usually I don't talk about that ever because it's fucking stupid, but yeah, Excuse but you my gotta, language. No, it's no worries. You you gotta be kind of a history buff, and that's surprising me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We've we, you know, we've talked and shit, and, and then a history buff is coming out, man. But that, like I said, that's oh, pretty yeah, cool dude, to I, be able I mean, to trace that back. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And you know, my my family came across in covered wagons all the way to God, where'd they stop? Fort Collins, Colorado. And the other family that um, they were traveling with, they were the Story family out of Montana. Well, they're out of Montana now. They weren't at the time. Um, And the Story family ended up going up north towards Montana. My family kept coming west. And my uncle, who, I mean, we could spend six hours talking about his life and the impact that he's had on western diving and and everything like that which we definitely don't need to get into um you know definitely a superstar of a man but he moved into a valley in montana and when he moved into this valley in montana lo and behold the story family we come to find out that is across the valley or basically his neighbors are the same story family that the giddings came across with originally to Fort Collins when the two families split up. Yeah. So they were like distant cousins or something like that. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to bore people with that. We'll have to, we'll have to explore that <laughs> sometime yeah, we on don't the mountain have to go or down something. That, man. But that's, that's just... that, that stuff to me, like I said, you got to be kind of a history buff, but that's pretty cool, man, to, to look at that lineage and, and, you know, actually know that stuff is something else. I bet you there's a bunch of people that you know, ancestry DNA and all that, try and figure that stuff out. So to have that, at your fingertips, so to speak, is, is in my opinion, is pretty cool. Yeah, super fortunate to, to be able to have access to all that information. That was, and we had all that information prior to 23andMe and all, all that stuff that's come out now. So, yeah. uh, man, you, uh, you had a hell of a 2018 season, in my opinion, man. Yeah, 2018 was fun. You guys uh, kicked ass out there. Give us, yeah. a little, give us a little bit about that, man. You had some adventures. You exposed a guy to uh, the wilds and hunting and went out with yeah. Anthony and got some shit done, man. Yeah, so uh, Anthony and I crossed paths, you know, a few years back. And we'd always talked about hunting together. And I, you know, I just kind of told him, I was like, all right, let's do this. And if you're going to hunt with me, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. And hang on, we're going to kill deer. Get ready. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we dove right in. I mean, we hit a zone mediocre, didn't really hunt it that hard, but we got into the Sierras. Anthony ended up getting one of his, uh, his first public land, California deer with my brother. My brother took him out for a hunt and, you know, they ended up getting on a buck and, and Anthony closed the deal and got it done. And, um, I ended up. I had, I guess I'd shot my deer the weekend prior to that, which was, you know, an entire, man, getting that buck, dude, that was, uh, an interesting experience. You know, I'd been hunting that area for a little bit during archery season with a couple buddies and, you know, gone back on a solo trip by myself and was just cruising and I ended up, I was glassing this patch of timber that was maybe 45 yards in front of me, just like I would if I was bow hunting, except I had my 3378 with me. And uh, I saw these antler tips, you know, just like out of a movie, dude, or just like out of a magazine, I guess. You know, I saw these antler tips behind this big log. And all I knew is that I could see the antler tips on one side. And its head was moving enough and at an angle that the, the buck was so wide, I couldn't see the antler tips on the other side. Yeah. So I got all jacked up, instant buck fever. And I started kind of side hilling up to get into a good position to take a shot. Deer had no idea I was there. So when I got into my position, I looked like 30 yards kind of to my right now. And there's a buck standing up, you know, dead on looking at me and I didn't look at points. I didn't count anything. It, you know, I saw it. It was a good buck. I threw my rifle up on my shoulder. As soon as I saw fur, I tapped one off. And uh, the reason for doing that is that, you know, in my experience, I could have like waited to try and see this other buck that definitely was going to be big. And, uh, you know, probably spook it because that buck was going to run away yep. and scare the other. <clears throat> so after I dumped that buck, three bucks 
got up and all ran and they were all four by fours and better. And uh, it was just a bachelor group of bucks. And somehow I just snuck in on them. Right. I wish I had my bow cause I didn't fill my AO tag and I was at 30 yards, you know, but so it goes. And yeah, man, rolled from there. We ended up, you and I ended up connecting was it the following weekend or two weekends after that. And uh, we, I think we ate that deer's leg that weekend. Man, that was the flip flop, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did that down at Silverware. Yep. Yeah, that was good, man. That was, I mean, that was delicious, man. That was. We did elk tacos. We did wild pig. We had so much. That food. was so much food. That was, and yeah. there was a ton left over. That's what was amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it wasn't a full hunting crowd, you know. Yeah, that's true. So, so people get a little nervous when they're like, oh, wild game. I'm not really sure about this. Um, but I rolled from that straight into Utah, which that was an interesting story in itself. Um, you know, and I'm always, I'm always, a, I'm a public land hunter. I've always been a public land hunter. I hunt private every now and then. I don't think I've ever killed an animal on, well, I've killed pigs on private, but I've never killed a, a deer or an elk on private land. You just, and, blew uh, up a, you just blew up a myth. What's that? You just blew up a myth. I know, right? Seriously. And, uh, yeah, but I, I hunt harder than 90% of the people out there, not to toot my own horn, but I bust my ass. You know that. Oh, heck yeah, man. So how it goes. You know how that works. And, uh, so yeah, I rolled into Utah on a public land tag and, and I had an experience that's, you know, it's, it's unlike any experience that I've ever had hunting and, uh, public land can get packed and it can get busy. And a fella ended up shooting, supposedly shooting over my head, um, from directly behind me. Um, so a buck walked out, a real nice buck walked out in front of me. And as soon as it stopped, I tapped one off. The buck took off, racked another round, shot a second time, and the animal dumped and slid down the snowbank like 30 feet. <clears throat> so I go over to it. I've got both my empty casings in my chest pocket because I reload my ammunition. And, you know, I'm shooting a 3378, that brass isn't cheap. And, uh, walked over, I'm filling out my tag and I'm kind of getting everything ready to get this thing in the right position. And, uh, next thing I know, this guy and his son walk up and he says, my son shot that buck. And I looked at him and I said, what? <laughs> he said, my son shot that buck. And long story short, by the end of the conversation and Anthony had walked up by this point, um, long story short, uh, you know, there was one point in the conversation where the guy looked at it and he said, man, is that the entrance wound? Is that the entrance wound? And that was when I knew, you know, they never even pulled the trigger. I never heard a second gun go off. I didn't hear three gunshots. Anthony didn't hear three gunshots. You know what I mean? Unless him and I, exact at the same, same time. time you know what i mean and they couldn't produce empty brass they couldn't produce anything 
you know, and, and, uh, and the guy looked at it and he said, is that the entrance wound? And I, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, if you guys shot at this buck, you should know should which know side the is. entrance wound is on. You know, and he's like, well, looking at that entrance wound, that's not the kind of hole my rifle makes. And then, you know, they kind of walked away and, you know, let it go. But, you know, difficulty of hunting public land, man, is, is, you know, you shoot a nice buck and someone else wants it. Conflict on the mountain can be had. Yeah, it and, probably uh, didn't help that you were there, what appeared to be by yourself at the moment, right, with two guys on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was, uh, that was an interesting experience. So I ran to town the next day. I got pizza and and came back and met up with Anthony and brought him some pizza and we bombed out of there and went on another hunt. And Anthony ended up closing the deal on another buck off a different Ridge. And, you know, it was a 100% spot and stock conquest. And that dude, like, it was so great. We glassed this buck up at like noon and then went, and went to look for other deer and came back and it was still there. It was like six and the sun was going down in like 45 minutes. And he closed probably a 1500 yard gap in 20 minutes. And it was like brutal uphill canyons and valleys. Like he just crushed the shit and he, he ended up getting up on the buck and, and, uh, he shot it and put it down and, uh, we got all the meat to the butcher that night by 11 o'clock and we were literally leaving the butcher's shop and driving straight to Montana because we both had Montana tech. So we ended up making Montana, you know, around 10 or 11 the next day, something like that and figured out where we were going to go hunt and, you know, started in on this hunt at the trailhead and, you know, it's a five mile hike in and uh, this is just a day hunt too. And I mean, the elevation gain is basically just, yeah, it's straight up and down. And, oh yeah, at this point, opening day in Utah, I had blown my ankle up basically. Um, it was black and blue. My, my, almost my entire foot was purple from internal bleeding in my ankle and you know, we, then we, I shot my buck and then Anthony shot his buck and whatever. So now we're in Montana packing in and we get up there and Anthony glasses up some bucks and he's like, well, shoot one. And, All right. You know, so it's under 24 hours from when he shot his buck in Utah. Boom. I touch one off and I, I shoot a buck and, uh, the bucks are still standing there confused. There's like, you know, three or four more bucks there. And I hand the rifle to Anthony because we'd kind of left where our packs were to get a better angle. I hand the rifle to Anthony and I'm like, here, dude, shoot a buck. Like, <laughs> you're up. And and he lets one off and he dumps the buck. And, you know, it was just like high fives and epic. And his buck dumped. My buck kind of went off into the timber. So he goes over to his buck and I go straight up to my buck and I f end up getting up on it. And... When I get there, you know, I mean, it's like, all right, I'm above it. It's down below me. And I know somewhere down below me is Anthony. And 
I didn't feel comfortable. So I, I held my rifle, and I used to do a lot of like tactical rifle training and all kinds of stuff like that. So and I don't know what made me do this, but I kind of just brought my rifle up and in the, and uh, in the assault style position. And I started strafing to my right to change my angle of trajectory of my bullet. So if it passed through that buck, it wasn't going anywhere near Anthony. So I got my angle right. And I got, it was me, the buck, and then a tree dead behind him. And I blasted that buck and dug that scope ring into my forehead. I remember seeing that. So deep. (laughs) So deep, man. It was so, you know, but it was just like that spur of the moment. Got to get it done. And now I'm thinking about my buddy and making sure that my shot's right. You know, got that Weatherby kiss right in my forehead. I was looking at it the other day with my buddy. I was like, man, that's a pretty good scar. Like, that's a solid crease in my forehead right there. <clears throat> you know, but. So then we took a couple of days off and just hung out in Montana. And uh, a friend of mine came and and she had never hunted whitetail before. And we took her out and we got her on her first whitetail buck. And she sealed the deal with one shot from a 243 at like maybe 75 yards or something like that. And it was a beautiful white tail buck. She was thrilled and came home for a break for a couple of weeks and turned right back around. And, uh, a buddy of mine who I had been hassling to come hunt with me for, I don't know, approximately 10 years. And finally he decided he was going to come with me. Um, and I, and I, kind of told him i said here's three different gear companies you know check out their gear see what's going to be the best gear for you you know because i'm all about like the individual you know i have my gear that i like to use i have my stuff that i like to run and i recommend the stuff that i use but i also recommend for people to go out you know what i mean try first light try Sitka, try scree you know try kuyu try whatever gear is going to fit you the best and be the most comfortable for you as an individual. Because at the end of the day, man, it doesn't fucking matter. If you're not comfortable, why'd you spend all the money on it? Exactly. You know what I mean? So like, and and that's something that's so important, you know, and, and for me, the gear that I choose, you know, that's, what's the most comfortable gear for me. And uh, so anyways, he picked up a, a boatload of gear and we got into Montana and, the morning we got there's the Saturday before our first hunt. So the Saturday before Thanksgiving um, at the trailhead, which, you know, is maybe 5,500 feet. And we're hunting around 8,000 uh, at the trailhead. It was negative 10. Uh, lucky for us, there was no wind that day, but, but we got Eric out. You know, he got the full experience on his first hunt you know, breaking snow trails, you know, doing the whole deal. And then halfway through the first day inside the eight hours, we ended up getting him on his first buck. And he shot a nice old deer. It was like identical to the one that I shot. It was like its little brother. And, uh, you know, he was thrilled. He dumped it at 310 yards, shot it in the neck, you know, just aced this thing. And, uh, you, I, you saw the video, I'm sure just for me, something that I've really been all about, um, for, I don't know, maybe the last 
10 years or so is, is working with new hunters and taking new hunters out and trying to give them, you know, whether success in killing an animal or not, giving them the best experience possible. Um, because I, I feel like in our hunting community, we lack people that are willing to be mentors, you know, because they don't want to give up their secret spot. They don't want to, you know what I mean? There's so much at stake for us as hunters when we have lifetimes in areas. Well, you, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Get but, on it, dude. Get on it. But that... You know, you said you've been you were hounding him for for ten years. So the fact that yeah. you, you were able to get him out there, the culmination of that for you in that mentor position and and trying to build the community, which is huge for me. Um, mm-hmm. There's no other feeling, dude. I would give up a spot in a heartbeat to feel that and to see someone's eyes open up to what we love so much. And and yeah. and you're, I think you're a hundred percent right. There's a lot of people. And I'll and we'll be nice about it that are reluctant to do it. Um, and to a point, I get it, right? They don't want to give up their honey hole. Guys work hard, you know, to get on deer um and to find these spots. But man, I don't think dudes Especially realize. Yeah. But I don't think dudes realize when when that moment comes and you look over and you were a part of that first animal, that whole first experience, and and really, for the lack of a better word, guiding someone into this pursuit. Dude, that shit is phenomenal. There's nothing like it. I don't care. Oh, yeah. There, There's nothing like it. And not only that, you get to be in that person's memory on that hunt, you know, and you get to try to instill the ethics and and really shape and form the hunter that they can be as far as giving back to the hunting community. You know, when I hear horse people sending other people messages because someone posted a skyline in their picture and that's that guy's honey hole and how dare you, or, you know, there's so many different ways where it's just like, man, chill the fuck out. Like, <laughs> you know, like we're all in the, we're our own worst enemy. And we're yes. all in this, man. And if we don't, if we don't come together and if we're not about the positivity and if we're not about helping each other, we're you know, lose. really just trying, trying to suit up and show up yeah we're we're gonna lose our shit man it's it's bad enough you know the the scrutiny and threat we're under as it is you know there was years where you know looking back where i never thought that there was potential to lose this and the more i look at it now and the more i see and hear man it 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 takes hold and it becomes a real thing like shit we could lose this in our lifetime if we don't do the right damn thing but yeah i think that threat is just it's so real to us now man it scares the hell out of me i can't imagine this life without being able to go out and pursue deer elk whatever it is right just in the outdoors doing this just yeah scares the hell out of me right right and I mean, I don't know if they, uh, they'd have to come up with a lot of funding in order to eliminate hunting altogether, but they could regulate the shit out of it. You know what I mean? And they could, they could really do not damage, but a lot of. They could hinder it. Hell yeah. They can hinder the piss out of it. I forget what I was reading and I should, when I bring stuff up, man, I, I know better than not having all my info. 
Um, but I can't remember what I was reading. Somewhere just banned archery hunting. Um, oh, wow. And I haven't even heard that. That's and it terrifying. Was, exactly. And that those are the things that, that bring it to a realization for me. And it's just like, damn, if they can do it there, what did it? it must not have taken much, you know, I mean, it's gone, yeah. you know, and, and I always say it, if, if we lose it, we're not getting it back. There's not, we'll fight for it. No, we need to fight for it. Now we need to support each other. We need to support our, everything about our pursuit because when we lose it, man, it's gone. I don't, I don't well, think we that, have a snowball's chance in hell. Right. Well that, and we need to be better stewards of the land and, and, teaching people the tradition because how many people are getting into hunting excuse me are getting into hunting these days that aren't from hunting backgrounds that aren't from hunting families that aren't you know and they're in it for the organic pursuit of the meat you know and 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 trying to figure out what it means to them to be a hunter and understanding the ropes by themselves you know so it's to me, one of the it's one of the most important things is is trying to help new hunters, you know, and and even if it's just taking a phone call and and you know letting them pick my brain, you know, whatever it may be, like, you know, and I, you know, I I I do it a lot. I do it a lot. I work with people a lot when it comes to outdoors and outdoor lifestyle and you know how I lead my life and. Uh, you know, I'd just rather be a, a better example. Then it'll it'll keep this going the way we both hope it should or think and yeah. hope it's going to go, you know. Well, and how it was freely given to me as a child because I grew up in it. And see, and I'm yeah. on the opposite end of that. I didn't grow up in it, but yeah. I had to forge my own path. And I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn, but there is there is a stark contrast to how I see it going today with everything at your fingertips um, versus getting out and no offense to anyone that that is doing it this way by you know no offense um, but there is a lot more value when you're out there struggling ready to quit a million times hang it up for a season <laughs> and you know what I mean because you have no idea you have no yeah. clue. But when you, <laughs> when, when you finally get there, the added value just seems a thousand fold to me, you know, and, yeah. and a lot of what I see, and it's just my opinion, but with everything at your fingertips, I think there is a misconception of how it actually is when you get into the woods. So that mentorship um, is a big deal. It, it, I think it helps keep people in it longer. Right. You struggle. There was years, man, where, you know, my first four years, I didn't I don't even know if I saw a deer more than twice, you know, yeah. and it was just like, why I am can I relate to that? Though, fucking my, out you know, here. <laughs> yeah, dude, my my first 10 years, I saw one legal buck in my first 10 years of hunting. And the second legal buck I saw, I killed it. And it's like you, yeah. you think to yourself, I'm I got all this money invested, all this time invested you know, time away from this time away from that. Why am I doing this shit? <laughs> yeah. What to put meat in the freezer and I have an empty freezer of 10 years in a row. What does that mean? Yeah, it does. It. <laughs> and, and really, I, I don't think, and that, at least in, in my realm, that is a narrative that is very recent, right? That's not, yeah. it wasn't something that I was doing out of necessity. I had a drive 
to do this. And, and at the time, I didn't know why. It was just something that called to me. Um, yeah. And then that became more and more important. You know, once the harvest got there, it was like, you know, okay, this is bitching, man. We got, you know, meat for six, seven months. Um, and then that it adds value to the whole thing. But yeah, early on, it was just like, yes, this shit is crazy. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so for me, like in the family that I grew up in, you know, it, I, it wasn't out of necessity, but like, you know, any legal buck will do. Meat on the ground is better than no meat at all. No tag suit. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of how it was always taught to me. Meat on the ground, meat on the ground. And, you know, one of the beneficial things about where I grew up and there being no hunters is that every time I'd get invited to a barbecue, you better believe my ass is bringing venison backstrap and exposing everybody to what wild game that's prepared correctly tastes like you know what i mean and and it's so funny when you watch people's hearts and minds change about hunting when they eat delicious food (laughs) it's it really is and i don't think people again i don't think people get it um you know because you hear it all the time oh it's so gamey and blah blah and i'm like where the hell are you eating Who's Venison. cooking your meat? Exactly. Because up, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me when I, you know, I, even like with bear, I hear people, oh, no, I hate bear and blah. It's stew meat at best. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Nothing like it. No, I mean, I, I, dude, I'm not going to bullshit. I love a good steak, right? A good, good old beef steak. But there is nothing, in my opinion, there is nothing like wild game. I haven't had anything yet that i'm like oh yeah i don't care for that haven't been down that road so um let's talk a little california man so you you know you got your you're the hunter safety guy one of them in california but i want to like six or seven hundred of us (laughs) but you know and and i kind of give like i said earlier i give california shit but it's not for our hunting opportunity it's more the politics right and i kind of bash yeah Sometimes I feel bad and sometimes I don't. I bash but... our politics too. <laughs> um, but we're, we're definitely underrated when it comes to hunting. Um, and I think to a point we're undervalued. And like you said, you know, you want that, you want that elk slam, guess where you're coming. Right. Yeah. And, and it ain't an easy SOB to draw from. I think I have, I think 17 points this year. And yeah, uh, I mean, it took my dad 32 years to get his elk tag. Whoosh. I'm yep. hoping, man. I almost put in this year, but I had some things on tap and focused on my boy getting out there after elk. And uh, yeah. I go, you know what? I'll just get the point. Um, but I think it's about time. And that's wishful thinking, right? At at 17 or 16 points at the moment. Well, it depends. If you're trying to get a Thule elk, that's probably wishful thinking. It's a possibility, but it's wishful thinking. And then you got to figure out which elk zone do you want to hunt? You know, do they have alternate tags? How many tags are they giving out? Two, you know, what? three, one. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and how all that breaks down. And then you got to think, you know, like, all right, like, do I just want to kill a, a nice bull or am I going for a record bull, right? So if you're going for a record bull, add another five years to your weight or 10 years to your weight, you know, and, and if you're going for maybe not, you know, maybe you got another three years at max points. You know, depending on the on the area that you want to hunt and the caliber of bulls that they produce, you know, because not every not every tule elk hunt produces a record class or a book bull. 
you know, so some people are only in it to get the record class in the book, you know, so say that adds 500 people to trying to draw one tag and 500 people with max points, or that's 500 less people with max points that are putting in for maybe a lesser quality of inches of antler. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think when it comes, I mean, at least for me, when it comes to drawing that tag, dude, I'm in it for a branch antler bull. Like, you know, I mean, it'd be great to, you know, get that, get your name in that book, but with the opportunity being as thin as it is, I think you just got to go when you, when you can go. Yeah. Well, when we're done with this, I'll tell you a halfway decent place to maybe try and put in if you want a good bowl. Not going to be a book bowl, but it'll be a good bowl. Yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been, like I said, man, I used to apply and sit there with the fingers crossed and, you know, not knowing nothing. And then yeah. uh, it was just like, okay, once you start figuring out, you're like, this is a freaking pipe dream. See in 20, 25 years. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. And, and I, I agree. California is definitely an underrated state um, in the sense that, you know, and, and a lot of people, especially right now, are like, you should just move out of California and get out of California. And, and I, I'm married to this state, man. Like I, I love the state. I love the problems that we face. I love being on the forefront of, you know, trying to resolve issues and, and trying to make things better for outdoorsmen. Um, you know, that's a, for me, that's a really fun fight because you, I mean, who can't not get behind conservation? You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if you're right wing or left wing or, you know, fucking, insane and whatever like wildlife preservation and wildlife conservation is in my heart one of the most noble causes to fight for on planet earth and if people have a problem with that because i choose to hunt then you know like you guys need some education you need to learn a little more on on what's really going on and you need to unlearn this like indoctrinated bullshit that they try to teach people um but yeah, I mean, like, there's good deer in California. We have good X zones in, in North and Southern California, you know, and, and we have good general tags too. You know, there's a guy out of Southern California who continuously year in and year out DIY. So, yeah, you know, and, and year, like I was saying, year in and year out, man, he smashes monster bucks. On general over-the-counter tags, there's another guy in Northern California. And every single year, he goes out with a general tag, and he smashes on monster bucks, you know? So it's not always about, you know, holding out for that X-zone tag. You know, there's opportunity in every zone in California, as long as you're willing to put in the time, put in the effort and the energy. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get confused, you know? And, And you go out on a weekend warrior hunt, um, which I had done plenty of times in my life um, where I go on a weekend warrior hunt, you know, and I'll shoot any buck, any legal buck I'll shoot. But when I'm going out for 10 days or 15 days at a time, I feel more comfortable. I have more time. I have more availability to be picky about the animal that I'm going to go out and shoot. And a lot of guys don't think that they could be picky here, man. I, you know, I love a zone, dude. Uh, 
I for me, it, I just saw you coming coming in from A's on the other day, soaking wet with sweat, dude. A hundred, uh, it was what was it? That was over the weekend. It was a hundred and eight, fifteen mile an hour winds. Felt like you were in some kind of oven. Um, just, <laughs> just a zone brutal, right? I mean, and I, I my preference is not, to not hunt coastal because every everybody is coastal. So I find these little <laughs> pockets of of BLM and whatnot that are accessible. And dude, the this area that I'm in holds some bucks that are they're phenomenal, dude. I mean, but they are turned on, switched on, weary as hell. They see you, that you know, usually a deer will look at you, he'll pause a second, you know, and then take off. These guys don't wait. They they hear you, they see you, they just move. They're gone. You know? Yeah. And it, it's just really it's really struck a fire in me to get it done there. And it's been two years, yeah. and I can go in there with my rifle. I went in last year with my rifle because I, I had to write off that tag. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to take the deer I'd been chasing. He's a nice, probably, a am going to say, a four- to six-year-old, four-by-five. And yeah. uh, I won't take him with my rifle. I just I shot another, you know, another legal buck and see you next year. And that son of a bitch came. He got him. I got him in glass on my second day out the second week of season and uh maybe been kicking my ass since <laughs> but it, it's it's remarkable when you get out there and you see the deer that we have and like you said it's just a matter of putting in the work you 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 have to be a little bit you know discerning about what you want to do if you're out there just to get any buck man there's plenty of opportunity but it takes some work it's crowded yeah it's crowded, and this weekend's going to be crazy. I avoid rifle opener like the plague. Um, yeah. It's just a little bit it, – it scares me a little bit. Um, I, I'm just not going to put myself in that position. But, yeah, there's right. – when the opportunities – A-zone is my is my thing, man. I'll pass – it It sounds crazy, and people think I'm stupid, but I'll pass up an X-zone tag to take an A-zone tag. That season is one of the longest in the state. Um, yeah. and it just, it just kicks my butt to where I like it. Yeah. And you know, and, and that's, I did, I feel the same way about hunting the D zone, man. It's, and, and another one of my buddies, he'll say the exact same thing about hunting the B zone. And it's almost like I look forward more to my D zone tag than I do any other tag because I get to hunt the places I love, you know what I mean? And, and I'll turn a buck up. You know what I mean? Like I'll work my ass off and I'll turn a buck up. I've actually been, I've seen more deer in the last three weekends in this area than I've seen in the last five years. I mean, it is, and I'm sure it lends itself to the winter we had, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But dude, it's been, it's been awesome. It's just like, you know, I'm in that, I'm in that fucking zone guys. (laughs) Yeah. You know, well, Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say whether I tag out with my with with old boy is what I call that deer. Whether I tag out with my bow or not with him, just to be in there and to see that caliber of of blacktail running around, it has just been it's been a dream. Right. Right. Well, and, and something that you were also saying was it being undervalued, right? So, and this is how I this is my take on on that is that. As California hunters, what I think we, 
as California hunters undervalue is the amount of effort and energy we have to put in, the hard work we have to put in as California hunters for success in the hunt. And by for success in the hunt, I don't mean the experience. I don't mean, you know, all the, you know, fairy tale bullshit that everybody else says. And uh, I mean, the success is in the kill, right? Killing, getting an animal. And when we take all that hard work, effort, and energy, and we wrap it up in a $1,000 or $500 out-of-state tag, we're, I don't want to say we're guaranteed success because we're never guaranteed success in killing an animal. But for us to work half as hard as we work in California and another state, got a really, really, really damn good opportunity at putting a smash on a nice buck mm-hmm. or yeah. on a nice, yeah. you know, because out here we do have to work that much harder. You know, and we do have to battle extreme heat conditions and we do have to battle, you know, terrible population and and all of the different spectrums where when we get into another state where the animal count is way better than we have here, we have so much more opportunity to go for what we want. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you take that grind... And, and I don't want, you know, folks to, to think we're belittling their pursuit in their state. But when you take the grind that we have to put into that success here somewhere else, holy shit, man. It's almost a no brainer. Yeah. But, you know, and and I've been to a, a couple states, a few states hunting, but I always go back to the suck holes here, you know, those hard, nasty, hot ass climbs and. It's, uh, there's something, there's something that much more satisfying about it, man. We just love to kick our own ass. Yeah, that's what I, but you know what? That's a lot of, and and it kind of goes to cliche, but that's a lot of where I find myself with it, right? And you, and you kind of commented to that a minute ago, but it it becomes more of, can I get on this dude's level? And it's a mental game with myself. Like I, I gotta, I gotta convince myself that the 106, the 116, 15 mile an hour scorcher winds is worth being out there. Yeah. You know, there's times where it's like, man, this is stupid. <laughs> right. What am I doing? Yeah. Out here? Why am I out here? You're right. I'm getting my ass kicked on a, on a weekly basis, but you know what? Come Friday night after work. And I'm kissing the wife. And right I'm, back at it. Yeah, four-hour drive, five-hour drive, and I'm right back at it, man. You know, no sleep, right. packing in the woods, in the, in zero dark thirty. Another cliche. Um, yeah. You know, and just and just waiting, getting to that spot, and waiting till I can go in glass and move, man. It's just yeah, there's something about it. And then what part of it that sucks too is the opportunity is is really good, and I wish people and and that's part of my undervaluing. Is you look at, like you said, you know, we we go out of state and you put in, you know, five hundred to a thousand dollars, and you contribute to that state's, you know, wildlife fund. Basically, we don't really get a lot of that here. Um, you know, there is no, we don't get a lot of that here at all. Yeah, and it and it would be nice to see that, right? I mean, it, it's it's going to help. I would, I would love for nothing more than more people from out of state to come here to experience 
hunting California, just to at least wrap their fucking head around it. To see, you know that, what I mean? To see that we should not be so underrated and undervalued. Yeah, you know, and I, I think a lot of that lends itself to the difficulty, right? Because guys. You know, a lot and nothing wrong with it. Guys are chasing bone. Right. And and when you think, you know, yeah. especially like you look at our, our coastal blacktail, they're small bodied, you know, typically small antler deer for the most part. Um, you know, just our, our climate and everything doesn't lend itself to having this huge bone. But, you know, you get the right year, man. And it's like this year I've seen some phenomenal stuff just, you know, on social media out in the field. It's just been crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw a guy the other day. He put a he put a buck down in Southern California, a blacktail that was a monster. There's been a few of them, man. Is I know, that, right? It's like wow, like you know what I mean. It makes you feel good about it. It's like damn, now that is there's some dude. There was one shit. I want to say it was yesterday. I saw it. I think the guy arrowed him on Saturday or Sunday this last week, and that sucker had tall ass tines he wasn't very wide still in velvet and had all these little stickers and crazy shit going on all over the place and it was like oh that's a stud man that is that's a stud so but that's uh, so rad. yeah i'd love to see that kind of come around man and and you know guys come down here or come out here you know you talk about western hunting we're as far west as you can get you know and nobody comes here yeah and nobody's <laughs> here a zone, you know, a zone's a great opportunity for guys. You know, it's a, it's an open tag. There's, I don't know, you, maybe, you know, how many thousands of acres are available to hunt in a zone, man. Do you have any I idea? I don't know. A I mean, lot it, of public yeah. land. I mean, it is an crazy. An immense amount of public land. Because you're talking the five freeway to the coast from what Ventura, LA County line, almost all the way up to the bay. To Mendocino County line, I think. Yeah, I mean that's it's crazy. That is, I mean, it's just past huge. The bay. That up past the. Is that where is that where the line is? It's right at yeah, it's right where C and B kind of start there. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a that's probably a third of the state. Right. That is a lot of public, man. A lot of public through there, and and, and in my opinion, some of the central coast and even like the central inland area where I hunt. It's some of the most beautiful country you'll ever step foot in. Put your eyes in, and it's so diverse. Um, oh, for it's sure. crazy, man. Pig opportunities. Yeah. And that's the plus, right? We could be out there in, in that A zone in a lot of areas, man. I saw three pigs last week while I'm, you know, putting a stalk on a deer. And uh, three pigs came, you know, running down an old fire cut. And where, uh -huh. there's not a lot of places where you get that kind of offering. Right. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm right there with you, man. I, I think that the opportunity is great. And I, I really wish we saw more people interested in, you know, in hunting California. That'd be, yeah. uh, that'd be huge for us, man. So yeah, that'd be rad. you, uh, host Legion DIY previously Legion yeah. OST buddy. Anthony yeah. is taken off, right? He made some career moves, more power to yeah, him, dude. you know, so good on him. So give yeah, us a little sure. bit about give us a little bit about a legion man, and I want to talk about episode one hundred, dude. And that was uh, yeah, that was a that was a slammer. <laughs> <laughs> that 
So Thanks. give us give us a little Legion DIY, man, and tell us about it a little bit, so, and then we'll get into that. Yeah, so Anthony uh, was who I hunted with, and him and I started the podcast together. Anthony started the podcast, and, and we simultaneously worked on it together and built it together and, you know, inevitably became business partners on it. Um, and Anthony is a great person, and him and I had so much fun getting to do everything that we did together. Um, and, uh, you know, so life goes, he had a career change and he ended up, uh, gearing up to leave the state of California. And, uh, from what I understand, part the, the company that he is, he is working for kind of was like, you know, this is the industry we're involved in and um, due to conflict of interest, you know, if you want to work here, you, you know, maybe not going to be great if, if you're on a, on a podcast, you know, for conflict of interest purposes and, and whatever. And him and I discussed it and, you know, he felt comfortable uh, walking away and leaving me with the podcast. Um, the difficulty for me was that Legion OST Outdoor Survival and Tactical is Anthony's baby. Anthony burst that all the way from the beginning um, back to tactical training and a lot of stuff that he was doing in the uh, in the gun and outdoors community as well. And when he left, because that's so much of his baby, I just keeping it OST for me was like, I don't know. I just didn't feel right about it. You know what I mean? And, and then it's like, do you want to rebrand? Do you want to really do all that? Blah, 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 blah. And it's kind of a rebrand, but at the same time, it's not, you know what I mean? And um, so I just, I got rid of the outdoor survival and tactical uh, and just kept it to do it yourself. Um, and a lot of that is, is, I mean, I know that none of us ever do it ourselves, but we, you know, in a sense, but we're doing it ourselves, you know, and, and with Anthony leaving for me, it's just like, all right, man, do it myself now, you know, I'm, I'm doing it myself and I hunt myself and I, you know, and I take all these people out, you know, new hunters and inexperienced hunters out and I show them the ropes and that's all do it myself. There's fucking nobody backing me for that you know for you know 10 years of doing it or 15 years of doing it there's you know so for me it's just really all about doing it myself and and trying to be the best person that i can be and like what we were talking about earlier um trying to be a good example of an outdoorsman um and what we can do to get after it you know and i mean you know that my focus right now is kind of on working with the state of California and, um, you know, uh, trying to help improve the relationship between DF the department of fish and wildlife and hunters and perception and, you know, all that. Um, cause a lot of hunters feel like we've all been misrepresented, um, by the commission, you know, and, and, trying to look for a new, instead of just being pissed off and bitter and not doing anything about it, I feel like there's more constructive ways 
that we as outdoorsmen and hunters can step back up to the table and reapproach the table um, under better purpose. Have and, some uh, positive, have some positive effect instead of sitting on the sidelines complaining. And just letting it burn, you know, and, and, you know, it's, you know, people get fired up and, and people have a lot of actions that they want to call and things they want to do. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand how the system works or what needs to happen in order for this next thing to happen or, you know, how to approach things. And that's because a lot of us have hunters as hunters just get pissed off and talk around campfires about how we could do it better, but we have no understanding, you know, about the department or about the commission or about the legislation or, you know, about the lobbying or, or anything on how to repair that, you know? So in my opinion, the first things first is, well, we just kind of got to start showing up and being involved and getting the word out there that we can be involved and there is ways that we can do things. It's just going to be a learning curve in order to to get there. So that was a tangent. No, no, uh, not at all. I think, I think that that's pretty important. And again, you know, it's important that folks hear that, you know, guys aren't sitting on the sideline, right? I mean, that there's a lot of guys right now in California that aren't, and there's a lot of guys that are really, you know, stepping up to the plate and really trying to learn and understand and, and um, do a lot of things behind the scenes to try to make things better for us, which is great. Yeah. It's huge too. I mean, in, in my opinion, we are, ahead of the curve on a lot of the, for the lack of a better word, what seems to be political fuckery. <laughs> yeah. Um, political fuck. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, but, but again, there you go with the hunter sitting on the sidelines to a point, you know, complaining. Right. But that's just California, right? That's California politics. It's what we're up against. Um, and there, yeah, there's a lot of frustration. So I think it is important that guys hear that, Hey, there are folks trying to affect it. But if we don't affect it here at, in one of the hotbeds of, I don't even know what word, I don't want to use the word reform, but you know, with the touchy feely hotbed, um, that, that stuff can take hold. It's an example to be set in other, in other States. Right. Um, because there's opposition everywhere. So yeah, it's huge that we, that we fight that, fight that fight and come together with, uh, with DFG. Um, the political engine here is huge very very powerful yeah you know and and i i mean i don't know when this podcast episode is going to come out but i'll i'll put in a shameless plug um on thursday september 5th um anybody in california or anybody in northern california or southern california is welcome to come down to kuyu and there's going to be an event there and it's going to be a live questions and answers with the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And um, it's going to be fielding questions from the public um, with myself and uh, Lieutenant Warden um, from the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And that'll start at 6.30. The doors open at Kuyu at 5 o'clock for anybody who wants to show up early. And uh, it's going to be a really good event, and hopefully it'll help – 
you know, if people have any kind of questions, you know, gray areas, things they don't understand or don't know, like that's what the opportunity is there for. So the department can help us as hunters have a better understanding of the law. So, okay. So you're working on it. And, and one of the, and I said it right, you know, a few minutes ago, the, the, the touchy feely, right? How much, how much of that political pressure is involved with decisions, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have to be under a certain level of scrutiny from every angle, right? I, I can't even imagine with the opposition that we deal with. Um, the department? And, yeah, I, I just well, can't even so the imagine. Depart- but the, department, the department's not the ones who are coming up with the laws. They're not creating the laws. No, no, I understand that, but that. I got to what I'm saying is I got to imagine that the pressure that they're under to try and be the middleman, if you will, um, and and help work through all this stuff and protect our, you know, our, our, our wildlife. Um, and then, you know, you deal with, with us guys that are PO'd about it all the time. Like you said, sitting around the campfire complaining, you know, blaming DFG, that has to be one hell of a job. Oh yeah. Well, and I couldn't imagine what life would be like as a warden walking into a deer camp or pulling over a vehicle on a dirt road somewhere in the backcountry with five guys in it with loaded firearms or, you know, if they're following the law, there's no round in the chamber. Um, But you're walking up on a vehicle with possible drunk drivers. You know what I mean? Because that's unfortunately for us as hunters, the image that we portrayed. I mean, and yeah, it's also been a stigma that's been put on us. But at the same time, like, I mean, I've been in the woods enough to know that there's plenty of guys driving around in Jeeps drinking Budweiser. Not, you sil- know, not silver Jeeps. Not, not. Yeah. Not, not you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> so, you know, it's, 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 uh, I mean, that's got to be nerve wracking. I couldn't imagine what that's like as a law enforcement officer walking up to a vehicle with a bunch of people with guns in it. You know, you know, and, and I think one of the biggest things that we can do as hunters is try to figure out how to de-escalate the situation on our end. Right. I'm not worried about the fucking warden. You know, the warden's going to do what the warden's going to do. But if we as hunters can take the first step at trying to figure out how to de-escalate the situation, when a warden comes up to the warden, maybe feels a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more uh, safe, then why not do it if it's going to make it better for everybody? Because at the end of the day, the warden is the law enforcement officer there to enforce the law. You know what I mean? So like, if, if we're breaking the law, like be prepared to be enforced upon because you're breaking the fucking law, you know, and, and, I mean, that puts me on a whole nother tangent where, you know, people get mad about our, our, I will say our side, but not collectively our side, but a lot of people under a lot of the same belief systems get mad that people don't understand that these people are doing illegal things and breaking the laws and they're not having consequences for it. But then when a hunter breaks the law and, and they're being enforced on, they get upset with the warden for enforcing the laws. It's like, fucking come on, man. Like, you don't get the best of both worlds. It's got to be, you know, it's, it's, 
I, but you know, practice. It, I, 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 you just brought it full circle to me, right? And and sitting down yeah. and having that that Q and A um, is a big deal, right? Because a lot of it is, yeah, a guy's going to get offended when you know they're getting pulled over, they're getting questioned, um, but it's also protecting the deer that you're out there. If, if you're, you know, if you're in the right and you're out there hunting legal and you get upset about it, you got to understand that warden is protecting what you're out there doing. You're, you know, you're, yeah. you're pursuing it legal. He doesn't know, like you're saying, he's walking up on a vehicle and, and potentially that it's life threatening. Right. And I, yeah, you, you they got to assume worst case scenario to a point, right? Check the tags, check the rifles, you know, whatever. Um, and if it's good, it's good. You're rolling away. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that's uh that's a big deal, man. That that's good on you for that one. Um that's just a that's a long ass drive for me. Yeah, right. Yeah, well I mean uh, hopefully what it'll do is it'll inspire other people to get in to a situation with uh CDFW and maybe try to host one in Southern California. Yeah, that, you that know? might be and, something we talk about, man. That that would you be know, huge. and, and 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 you know there's there's so many avenues to make it possible and make it happen you know and and it's really just about trying to do it but so all the way back you know legion diy you know now it's just you know i'm doing it myself man i'm doing it myself and you know god bless anthony dude he's been a great friend and uh and a and a really good person um we've had our fair share of just retarded laughter and funions and everything great. And, you know, I can't wait to get up to Portland when he gets settled in and go kick his door in for a weekend and talk shit and, you know, have fun with him in Portland. Heck yeah, man. I love Oregon too. Yeah. Oregon's beautiful, man. Oh man. I call it the green state, dude. That, that place has uh it has a piece of me every time I go up there. Just right? amazing. So, dude, episode 100, right? That was kind of the, in my opinion, kind of the reintroduction of Legion um, to everyone. But the way you did Uh it was you put, you put your balls on the table, dude, right? And you said, (laughs) (laughs) and you said, this is me. This is what I'm about. But what really stood out to me was what something that's important to me just in in hunting in general especially in this day and age right is being open and honest about what we do and why we do it um but the impact that that episode can have on someone's life and i and i someone that can relate to the things that you were talking about and i don't want to get into it too much because i want people to listen to it even people that yeah. that that can't relate to some of it have to be able to yeah. take something away from that dude. That was, that was badass. I mean, when I, when I listened <laughs> to it, I think I texted you and I was just done with it. Like, dude, that was freaking phenomenal. Um, yeah. What, what brought that on? Why the importance? Um, and I think I know your answer, but I want to hear it. Uh, like what inspired me to make that episode? Yeah, because I know you were reluctant and a bit nervous, and you know you did the. You could hear it in my voice in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, and you did the 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 nervous Andy laugh. <laughs> yeah, right. Um. So I mean, that's 
at the end of the day, man, that is my story. Um, that is my truth. You know, uh, I was an alcoholic degenerate buckhead for a lot of years of my life when I was, you know, growing up. Um, you know, and, and I, had, I had ventured into not drinking when I was 19 years old. I've never had a legal drink in my life. Um, I haven't picked up a drug or, or a drink since October, uh, October 17th, 2004. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's great. It is great. Um, and I, I wanted to share my story. I mean, it was episode 100 and it is me now by myself. And, um, a lot of people, if you follow me on social media, a lot of people know that I post weird shit and know that I post awkward and uncomfortable shit and I'll post weird memes and stuff that makes people like, Oh, that's funny, but I can't laugh at it kind of stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of it comes, you know, my sense of humor and, and, and all that. And, and, uh, you know, I was recently in Utah at a total archery challenge and I was there with a buddy of mine. Um, his name is Sloan and, and we were talking and Rocky mountain elk foundation did a video, um, about him and his experience and overcoming heroin addiction. Um, and if anybody wants to watch it, absolutely go check it out. It's 100% inspiring and phenomenal. And, um, I know in my heart of hearts that I'm not the only person that's struggled with alcohol. I'm not the only person on the planet that struggled with, you know, being assaulted, um, I'm not the only person that has dealt with stuff off of the mountain, you know, like, yeah, dude, we're tough and we're badass and we're fucking mental warriors on the mountain. And we all take pride in that. And everybody has a life story outside of the mountain. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's just my story, you know, and, and everybody, like I said, everybody has their own story. Um, but there's no, like, if my story can help one person come through, like come through problems they're having in their life with any of the issues that I discussed in that, that's what it's about, you know? And, and if I can impact one person positively into understanding that, dude, we are at the end of the day, man, like we're all just people trying to live our own lives and survive in our own lives and get out of our own fucked up heads and get out of our own fucked up ways, you know, and, and for me, and I'm, I'm sure for you as well, you know, like one of the biggest impacts I've had in my life is nature, you know, and, and nature helps me through everything, the spiritual healing powers of nature you know, like I get the feeling in nature as a, as a religious man gets going to church on Sunday, you know, nature is my church, man. And, and I have, you know, that's where I find my, my spiritual connection. And, 
you know, a lot of where I am at today is a direct result of my spiritual connection and my spirituality through nature and through hunting and how I've been able to find myself through the healing powers, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, that nature has provided me, you know, and I swear to God, there's studies that talk about what nature can do for people. And it, and it's hunting, fishing, backpacking, just getting out there, people going to Tahoe, people going to Mammoth, people going to Zion, people going to Yosemite, Yellowstone, everybody feels better when they're unplugged and in nature. And uh, that's how I've found my resolve. And that's how I've gotten through a lot of the problems that I had. For me, the re- it related so well in the in the respect that it it's not you weren't talking about an escape, right? When you get out yeah. in the nature, you're not talking about an escape, but you're you're talking about it's almost an honesty that comes out with yourself, right? It's it's that belittling and the ability to look at yourself and go, I'm so minute. What the hell am I doing? Like, look at look at this, right? Yeah. Look at what I can be a part of if. I choose to be a part of it. And, and, and like I said, somebody's going to relate to it differently. Um, but I always tell people that are like new to hunting. I'm like, man, it's, it's a life changer. Like it's going to make you a better person in all facets of your life. Yeah. You know, work, you know, for me being a father, being a husband, it, it has really made me look and appreciate what at times seems to be the hardest things. When you're out there and you feel so little, it's like, man, those things are easy to do. Those things yeah. are easy to work on. I'm just minute. I'm a I'm a POS in the big scheme of things, right? It's really it really has a way of like bringing you down um, to a level where you just the view is different, man. It is just different, yeah. you know. It's cliche. Yeah, really it sounds cliche as hell, but that's how I it's relate funny how to that it, happens, man. Huh? Yeah, it, it's just listening to that episode, dude. I'll you know doing a podcast and you know how it is you're doing a podcast and it's kind of like this never ending cycle of setting up episodes, recording episodes, editing episodes, and then on to the, what am I doing next? So I don't get to listen as much as I would like to anymore doing this, but man, I, I was like, you know what? The phone is going to ring. I'm a, I'm listening to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was dude. It was so just so everybody hears again, we'll do it at the end, but it's Legion DIY episode 100. Yeah. And I don't care if you've been through that stuff that Andy talks about, um, but if you're going through something, if you can relate in any way, in any hardship in your life for this dude to put his balls on the table, like I said earlier, to <laughs> impact someone else the way you did, man, dude, nothing but respect on that one. That shit was Thanks. powerful, bro powerful i appreciate it you know i i definitely do and it's uh it's always awkward you know it's because it's not i don't know i don't i don't know you know it's just awkward it, i i totally get it i mean just just hearing some of the story um was just i i'm telling you dude i was i was kicked in the face like holy shit you know what i mean yeah 
but but it it actually it actually explains some things to me, I guess. About right? how I am. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was just like, wow, right? It was very, very insightful. But it, but the way you did it, it made me appreciate who you are even more. Yeah. You know? It just, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was, bro, it was, it was badass. I, yeah. I was, you know, and it was funny is I, I've been going, you know what? I need to do a, uh, uh, by myself podcast, and then I listened to that, and I was like, "Well, that shit's out the window." <laughs> nah, man, do it, dude. You can do it. I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, "How do you, how do you follow that?" I'm gonna have to wait a couple of years till that some bitch dies down. <laughs> nah, man, dude, you're you're doing a disservice to yourself and your listeners, dude. You could totally rock them. That was, uh, yeah, dude. I can't say enough about that. It was just, you know, the the service. Not not just the service to yourself, because I know it was, um, at least my opinion, I know it was to be able to just breathe that out. But the service to one guy, 10 guys or women, a hundred, a thousand that listen to that, dude, yeah. is that shit, that's the kind of shit that when I look at the hunting community and community in general, that's the kind of story, that's the kind of stuff that we need to be talking about and focusing on when it comes to our pursuit in the outdoors and hunting and just the truth and realism in that story, dude, that was, yeah, yeah, that was second to fucking none in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, um, man, yeah, that was, that gets me fired (laughs) up, dude. Gets me fired up. Um, so, we talked about doing the episode, man, and uh, we got a little, you know, a running thing, man. So I put that bullet on there, backcountry and backwoods, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I told you when we first talked, I said, you know, I'll do, I'll, I'll podcast with you on one condition. And that was that we had to talk about backwoods. Because you smoke backwoods the way that I smoke backwoods, and that's no joke. Dude. Hell yeah. They, uh, what's you your know? favorite flavor right now? Right now, dude, I just I'll suck down sweets like nobody's business, dude. Honey bourbon. How do you like? I just had one last night. It was sticky. Yeah, I do. That's something about the honey bourbon. I love those things. There ain't nothing better, man. Getting back, getting back to camp after getting my ass kicked, and I'm like, oh, honey bourbon time. I love them. Right. Oh man. Oh man. How do That's you feel advice. that? Sm- how do you feel that smoking affects your lung capacity in the field? I don't inhale them as much anymore. Um, oh, good for you. Yeah, it's, it's just a, at this point, it's just an enjoyment thing, right? Just having a, having a stogie. And I've actually tried to limit them. I've been on a, I'm not going to say a fitness kick, but I've been trying to get it right, you know, for some, for some time. And the older you get, the harder this shit gets. Um, so mm-hmm. I've really started to limit myself and I don't have many vices hunting and backwoods, man. I don't drink. I don't do anything else. Right. I'm not, never been a big drinker. Um, and that's like one of my only vices. So I'm going to enjoy my fucking backwood. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, Hell yeah, but yeah, man, getting to camp. There's, it's funny. Cause there's this place, uh, up by, uh, one of my jobs that, uh, that I get them from and you go in there and they have like, uh, like every, backwood flavor they have a sweatshirt and every time i walk in there i'm like man i should get one of those for andy dude the jerseys dude i just saw the other day on my instagram feed on a sponsored ad i got backwood swim trunks 
I was like, whoa, Instagram, you're cool. You need to cool out, bud. Like, what the fuck? It, it, that freaks me out a little bit, dude. When you when you get on it, I mean, you can look at anything, and it's almost like it hears you. But like you mentioned yeah. something, and and boom, there's an ad, and it's like, what in the hell's going dude, on sometimes here? Sometimes I don't even feel like I talk about shit. Sometimes I just think shit, and then and the ad shows yeah, up on my phone. It's the weirdest thing. I. I I mean, there's got to be a point to where, like, you're swiping a card or something, and that card is connected to your phone, and somehow it's, you know, well, I don't yeah, know none of that shit, finger. right? Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah. That shit is insane. Here goes the conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I, dude, we could dive down some motherfucking rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's crazy to me, man. Right? Right, but... Yeah, man, the backcountry is nice, dude. And I, I usually always try to keep some backwoods in my truck or, or throw, I'll throw a five pack in my backpack and, you know, be prepared for, I used to smoke cigars and then I kind of got to a point where I got sick of smoking a five or $10 cigar every day. So I started buying five backwoods at a time. And I quit, I quit for a really, I quit for maybe seven or eight years. And then this one winter a few years ago was just a terrible, terrible winter, battled major depression, you know, relationship problems, you name it. I was in it and battling it. And, uh, I just went, I just, I grabbed a five pack of backwoods and I haven't put them down since. <laughs> so terrible. Well, you know what, though, like I said, dude, it, you know, you don't you're not drinking, you're not doing any, you know, anything yeah. else. That's your only vice, dude. Everybody has a vice. You know, people are like, right. oh, you, you know, having a backwood. Hell yeah, man. And you're going to pound that, you know, that double whiskey and you'll drink six or seven of them. You know, there's the trade off, buddy. I'm going to have my goddamn backwood. Right. Well, my, my favorite is, too, is like exposing people who have never had a backwoods to smoking a backwood. And <laughs> they fall in love with it, too, because it's that good. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're. You know, for as uh, for a cheap cigar, man. <laughs> it ain't bad. No, it ain't bad at all. Like I said, I love it, man. You get back to camp and take off. You know, take off the gear and kick your feet up and just hang out. That's that's my can of beer in camp, I guess. Yeah. So, um, how does twenty nineteen, man? What do you got planned for twenty nineteen with your season? Now you said you're going on that uh, on that deal with. Uh, kika there what else you got going so yeah leave tomorrow morning uh wheels up head down to southern california tule elk hunt um as soon as we wrap that up uh we'll jump on some horses and we'll go packing into the mountains in california and uh we have uh they have three three sheep tags um that uh I have gotten the opportunity to go along with them for, um, and then come out of there by September 2nd. That's what three and a half weeks from now or something. Um, and then I'll have a couple weeks off. Like I said, we'll be doing that seminar up in at QU's base and, uh, QU's headquarters. Um, you know, I'm really excited. I got that Metallica concert. I got a Misfits concert with the original band of the Misfits coming up. Um, and then shortly after that, I'll, I'll run back up into the mountains. I'll hunt for two weeks, 
come back out. I got a three day music festival that I'm going to. It's like Rob Zombie, Tool, you know, a bunch of my favorite bands. Uh, I'm really excited for that. I know that's not hunting, but it's just part of it. Yeah, but if it's, uh, you know, part of that passion, man. Right, right. And then, uh, yeah, I got my Utah hunt uh in a in a in a unit that i haven't hunted yet i'm really excited i'm kind of think i'm going in on it solo for the most part um i have nobody going with me this year and um then i got my montana hunt which probably more than half of that i'll be doing solo uh this year which should be fun i'm really excited for it um and then i'll come back and you know i mean my main thing is uh i'm working on the marinade for the flip-flop that's almost ready you just have to finish out the label and get that ready to roll out um that's about it heck yeah i mean that's yeah that's gonna be a busy season man some miles yeah non-stop heck yeah so one of the things i like to touch on man is is conservation every episode just to get someone else's perspective, um, you know, one to two minute deal, how you view it, what you think we should be doing as a community, where we could be better, where we, you know, where we suck. However you view conservation, man, just a one to two minute spiel on that. Um, I mean, you know, you could kind of go back into what we were already talking about, you know, for half of the podcast, um, you know, about, being shitty stewards of the land you know um <laughs> you know but i mean i mean really no, you know yeah, I but, hear you. you know conservation is is extremely important um i think that we are extremely lucky to be able to get to have the privileges that we have when it comes to hunting, you know, and, and it. Taking care of that is, is paramount. I mean, that is really yeah, what it amounts to. You know, and so like, you know, one thing, and this is something that I talk behind closed doors with, with friends. And I won't get into too much detail about it, but when we look at, companies that we all support and when we talk about you know what is what is who's a who's i don't want to say who's a good person and who's a bad person you know but like one of the biggest things that we always reflect to each other is when we're getting a judge of someone's character or or how they're acting or what they're doing is what are they doing for conservation what are they doing for hunting? What battles are they fighting? You know, and not where are they putting their allegiance, not what brand are they fucking wearing or anything like that. Specifically at the end of the day, what are they doing for conservation? You know, and, and a lot of people I know, everybody does stuff behind closed doors because a lot of people aren't trying to get recognition for it. You know, and, and, uh, You know, so I guess for me, the question could be, um, 
what am I going to do for conservation and what am I going to do to continue to continue to help? And, and, and that's the question. You're taking Go a bigger, ahead. you're taking a bigger step than I'm going to say most by bringing together the community here in California and Department of Fish and Wildlife. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. The impact. That yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, ab absolutely. That's, you know, it's, but that's, you know, that's passion for me. That's a lot of my passion and what I love. And, you know, my grandfather, like I said, he was a retired, he was retired DFW or DFG at the time, you know, but like, I guess what I, what I was getting at is that for everybody that, that maybe listens to this, you know, we should just ask ourselves, what are we doing individually for conservation and for hunting? You know what I mean? And, and, and if we can sit happy with what we're doing, then we're doing a good job. And if some of us feel like we're falling short and we could do a better job, then, hey, man, we're probably falling short and we could do a better job as an individual, right? And so when everybody as an individual starts chipping in and everybody as an individual starts taking responsibility for our own little portion of what we can add to conservation, other than like, oh, I buy my tags and my money goes to conservation. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah, that's, that, a, yeah, that's that, a cop out. That, I was going to say that shit drives me crazy. That's the biggest cop out there is. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Right. Sorry. You know, Too so, much more needs to be done. And I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to be on a high horse or on a soapbox or anything. You know, there's just there's a lot that each individual can do that could make a better, more uniform front for all hunters across the board. Well, if we all have that attitude um, and we're willing to put in that that individual effort, um, we're going to see a, a larger impact. Right. It, it's going to it's going to come a lot faster than it does, the, in my opinion, the way it is right now. Dude, if we could get one or two percent of all the hunters in California. To start showing up and try to make change for positive for hunting, things would change overnight. Overnight, things would change. I don't think people get it. That, I mean, that's really why I ask that question on every episode, man, is just to, is just to hear that perspective, right? Somebody else's perspective, their insight to it. Um, that's a big deal, man. That individual stance is huge, right? It doesn't yeah. you know, necessarily have to back, you know, RMEF or BHA or Sportsman's Alliance, but that individual effort, big deal, bro. So um, anything in closing, man, anything we missed you wanted to touch on? Um, you drop the podcast no. plugs, drop the Kuyu uh, deal plug, any of that stuff, man. No, man. We're, yeah, that, that, I enjoyed. Thanks for having me on, man. I love what you're doing. You have the most beautiful man voice for a podcast. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I know that you get told that, but I'm just going to reaffirm that for you. Um, you know, it's melodic and mellow and, you know, sometimes can put people to sleep, like, but in a good way. I was going to say, damn, that's bad. That's, that's harsh. <laughs> I can, I can just, no, like I could listen to this. Like I listen to books on tape too, you know? Like, right. 
your your voice is just a soothing, calm voice. Heck yeah. I'm, I'm grinning yeah. ear to ear trying not to laugh. I don't want to talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> I get Good. it a lot. I hear myself and it's like, okay, I, I don't get it, but all right. It's funny, man. It's funny. Yeah. But no, I appreciate yeah. it, man. I appreciate your time, brother. Um, like I said, man, that episode was phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. I wish you the best on this venture, you know, solo. Um, yeah. Yeah, it should be good. Hey, man, man let's, like to see how let's this shakes put together out. a hunt, dude. Hell yeah. 2020, let's, let's go on a hunt together. Let's, you know what I'm chomping at, right, is uh, caribou, bro. 2020 yeah. is about the care. So, yeah. yeah, if you want to talk about that, let's do it, man. Right now, it's a solo mission. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm yeah. Yeah, let's uh yeah, let's plug away, man. I've been talking to a couple guides and trying to get that stuff lined out. I what I want to do is just a drop camp. Um and looking at probably 2 weeks of drop, man, and go in and try and get it done. Yeah. That would be fun. Hell yeah. <laughs> knock right knock, on. knock that bucket list, man. But bro, I know you got to get going tomorrow. Um best of luck this season, man. I'll uh we'll stay in touch and yeah, let me know how this uh how these hunts go, man. I appreciate your time again. Absolutely. Have a great night. Thanks, you man. You too, brother. Thanks. You can catch up with Andy on Instagram at GameOverIG. And don't forget to follow Legion DIY Podcast on Instagram and check them out on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey, everyone. This is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, Check out SasquatchFuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to SasquatchFuel.com. Hey guys, enter code WESTERNCONTOURS at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.